Well, good morning. It's quite a contrast to seeing house of the Lord and then to hear the word lostness. But I want that image to set in your mind to think about that the Lord desires many more to be in his house. And our responsibility as brothers and sisters in Christ is to take the joy that we experience in the house of the Lord that should be in our hearts and take it to those that are around us. And so you can think of a worship service much like an opportunity to refresh and revitalize, to energize yourself, to take a moment away from the weariness of the world, to focus your thoughts on the Lord. And so my hope and prayer this morning as I welcome you to Cross Timber is that you experience the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and much more than a smile on your face when you leave. I hope that there's a joy in your heart, a desire that you just can't wait to find somebody to tell about the goodness of your Lord Jesus. So whether you're a visitor this morning, whether you're regular folk, we're glad you're here. We hope you enjoy the service. We ask you to involve yourself through the singing, through listening to God's Word, and then in a moment we're going to read Scripture um, together. And so you won't need to find your place in the Bible. The words will be on on the screen. But I just invite you to, to stand and sing with us this morning and to join in as we worship the Lord together. Again, welcome to Cross Timber. shepherd is whose grace faileth never I'm nothing like if I am his and he is mine forever and he is mine forever
didn't get a bulletin, um, you missed out on the prayer guide for the week of prayer for international missions. Today um, officially starts that um, week of prayer for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our church goal is $4,500, and you'll find in this just um, direction to help you pray for the lostness that we saw the video about earlier, and also to pray and support those that, that serve in those places to um, 
to reach out and to share the good news of Jesus to those um, people around the world. So I encourage you to not only pick up one of these and pray during the week, but also pray and ask God about how um, you can be a part of that through your, your giving. I want to invite you to join in a responsive reading. It's taken from the prophet um, Isaiah. Um, you'll find the words on the screen, and um, hopefully um, we will... I'm at the around No, there it is. It's from Isaiah chapter 40. Um, I'll begin reading. Um, actually, we'll all begin reading together, and you'll, um, you'll see where it says congregation, and that's your um, clue that it's your turn to read. Um, so let's read this um, together. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. and All flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Gentlemen, will you come as we take our offering this morning? Pray you with us, please. Dear my gracious Heavenly Father, what a glorious day you have made so we could come again into the house of the Lord, your house, O oh Lord. And we just want to praise your holy name as we do every Sunday and bless you and know that you'll bless us. And Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, who died and sacrificed his life for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So as we gather here this morning, Lord, to take the tithes and offerings, we just want to want you to bless them. And Lord, forgive us of our sins if you already have, and go with us the rest of the week. In Christ's name, amen. Well, it came to pass back in those days that Caesar, he decreed Since it should be taken of the Roman world, you see So everyone packed up and headed back to their hometowns So Joseph up from Galilee to Bethlehem was bound So it came to pass, this man named Joe was with his fiancée. When her pregnancy began to show, he planned to go away. But it came to pass that in a dream, an angel of the Lord said, Joseph, don't you be afraid to marry, marry for the little baby in her womb. It is the Holy Spirit's work. You may have read the prophet said a virgin would give birth. So it came to pass that Joseph was the noblest of men, with a woman on a donkey on their way to Bethlehem.
And I wonder whether either was aware enough that day To know the child would bring a kingdom As the old pass away Yes, it came to pass Joseph was the noblest of men With a woman on a donkey on their way to Bethlehem Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
Psalm 3, verses 2 through 4. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. 
But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Selah. Gather round, ye children, come. Listen to the old, old story of the power of death undone by an infant born of glory, Son of God, Son of Man. Gather round, remember now. How creation held its breath, how it let out a sigh and filled up the sky with the angels, Son of God, Son of Man. So sing out with joy for the brave little boy who was God, but he made himself nothing. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. Therefore, God exalted him to the place of highest praises. And he gave him a name above every name. It was the very name of Jesus, Son of God. So we would sing out with joy for the brave little boy who was gone, but he made himself nothing. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. So in heaven and earth and below, every knee would bow in worship, every tongue would complain. Jesus, he reigns with the angels. So sing out with joy for the brave little Lord, who was God, but he made himself nothing. Well, he gave up his pride and he came here to die like a man. Gather round, ye children, come. Listen to the old, old story. Of the power of death undone By an infant born of glory Son of God Son of man Thank you, you may be seated Luke chapter 2 is where you can turn in your Bible. We'll also be some other places, primarily in the Old Testament, but that'll be as good a place as any to start this morning. What a wonderful way to lead into the 
the season that we uh, know is Christmas, that some call the season of Advent, and to be reminded of the fact that the Lord of glory took on flesh and, and came to earth to be with us so that we could be with Him. It's not shocking, but I'll tell you anyway, Christmas season is upon us. Um, Christmas music started almost a month ago on some stations, and you know I know we all love from time to time to turn the dial and to hear our favorite songs, um, while there's some songs that just flat out drive you nuts. Um, there are some that um, you get excited about. You know, you think about chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I just want you to know that I, I reluctantly bypassed an opportunity to implant Christmas songs in your head that you would not be able to get rid of um, for, um, for days, if not forever. But often, many times, the more meaning are those Christmas carols. You know, they're not a Christmas song. They're songs that tell about Jesus' birth, about the angels, about the shepherds, and about the manger. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king, away in a manger. And O Holy Night. I was reading about O Holy Night this week. Um, Not only does it stand as the kind of the the song that is the standard of, okay, do you really have a good voice or not? Because it seems like all of the female and male vocalists, they try to sing their version of O Holy Night to see if it's better than someone else's. But it was written um, in the 1800s by a French poet. So it was initially written in French. It was not set to music. And the poet enjoyed the words, thought, well, this needs to be set to music. So he went where every good poet goes to find someone to write music, he goes to a Jewish composer. And so, if you're following me, you have a song that talks about the birth of the Messiah that is put to music by a Jewish composer. Now, it was sang in churches for a little while, and then quickly, the French Catholics figured out, wait a minute, this song was written in French, but it was set to music by a Jew, we can't have that. And so they banned it, and this is the reason they said there was a total absence of the spirit of religion. Now, about ten years later, an American who was interested in the abolition of slaves enjoyed the lyrics and translated them into English. And it quickly became popular, and we often find ourselves not only caught up in the beautiful melody of the song, But the powerful lyrics, long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he, Jesus, appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. See, the season of Christmas is about the thrill of hope for a weary world. That Jesus, the Son of God, came down to earth. He was wrapped up in some swaddling clothes, some linen clothes. He was laid in a manger, in a stable, because there was no room at the end. We find him in a manger, not in a palace. But we have to back up from there. 
in history. And in fact, as Matthew records about 42 generations back to a man named Abraham. But then we have to go back from a man named Abraham all the way back to the beginning. Long before hope arrived in the person of Jesus, God had made a promise. And that promise has echoed through the centuries. And finally, when it was just the right time, Jesus came to bring hope to a desperate world in need of redemption. And so this morning, I want us to look at this thrill of hope and to set our hearts and focus on the Lord Jesus. I'd like us to read together the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2. The verses will not be on the screen, but many of you will find them familiar. And you're welcome to follow along in your Bible before we pray. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Lord, this morning we ask as we look at hope, hope that rang through the centuries, that while there was no place for him in the end, that you would help us to place the Lord Jesus in the proper place in our hearts and in our lives. Help us to see the Messiah that you sent brought hope to a desperate world in need of redemption and still brings hope to those in need today. Open our minds and our hearts to your word and change us. Teach us by your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So our theme from now until Christmas is in a manger. We have a manger in front of us. This one has pretty nice looking cloth in it. There's no hay and there's no feed remnants in there. But in the next three weeks after today, we're going to, well, we're going to visit Bethlehem and talk about the incarnation. Next week, we'll spend a little time out in the dark, in the hills with the shepherds to look at love and salvation. And then after that, we'll listen to the song of the angels to hear the song and the joy of celebration. But we're going to start at the beginning. Genesis, where the world began. To briefly trace the theme of the hope of the Messiah from there until Bethlehem and into today. And we'll go from the garden to an old man and his wife. And then to a shepherd who would be king, and lastly to the prophets who spoke of the coming Messiah. And not only do I want it to warm and thrill our hearts, but I also want you to be thinking about those people that Jesus misses the most. People that we know, or maybe don't know, that are apart from Christ, that are, that are wandering and without hope, 
and they live in a weary world and are continually wearied by the effects of sin. And what do they need? They need hope. The thrill of hope. And so it fits perfectly into what we've been talking about for the last several months, that we have been given this responsibility to offer hope to hurting people. And long before the prophets, God had a plan. He gave us a reason to hope. There's four things in the outline that will help us find our way from Genesis to the present. And the first thing is simply this, that there was hope in the beginning. Started Genesis in Sunday school here in December. It's a great place to start. And here in the garden, we are reminded of the fact that nothing ever takes God by surprise. He always has a plan. We are surprised very often and shocked, but God is never shocked. And from the very first, God knew exactly what we needed. And so our story starts in the garden with God, and it's all good. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything God made was good. Man and woman were the very crown of his creation. He placed them in the garden to fellowship them with him, and everything was good until. You only have to read into the third chapter of the book of Genesis to find out that sin shattered the beautiful family picture of Adam and Eve. That's what sin does. It damages It always damages. There's always a price to pay. Adam and Eve willingly ignore God's instructions. You must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. And they sin, and God acted as He always does, because God is holy and sin must be dealt with. But He's also loving and merciful. And He made a way of salvation. And so right there in the garden with a man named Adam and his wife Eve, we receive the first glimpse of hope. Now you'll see it on the screen, but if you want to turn there, it's Genesis 3.15. In the, the, the speech that God gives to the man and the woman, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking of the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel." talks about a day when this serpent would be defeated by an offspring who was a seed of Eve, an offspring of Eve. And as we read through the Revelation, the very beginning, we find out, the very end, we find that this serpent is also known as Satan. And so in what many people call the very first announcement of the gospel, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, we have this picture of the Messiah who would come, born of a woman who would be wounded, but his wounding would provide the victory over Satan and salvation for all who would put their trust in him. And so you trace this line from Adam and Eve to a descendant named Seth, and you get from Seth all the way to Jesus and find out he fulfills the promise. And so this hope that was set out in the beginning is fulfilled in the future. And so as you read in the the wonderfully um, interesting genealogy at the first of Matthew, you find that 
in summary, starting with Abraham, you get all the way to Jesus. But if you read through the rest of Genesis, you find this lineage that gets from Adam and Eve and Seth to this man named Abraham. So hope was in the beginning. But hope continued on. And there was an old man, his old wife, who received a great promise and who were challenged to hope against hope. Two ideas of hope. Hope in putting our trust in something that we are sure that God will do and then hope that the world provides, which is more like, well, I hope it will happen or maybe it will happen. Wishful thinking. And so as you read in Genesis 12 through 25, you see that God called this man named Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham, to go from his country to a land that God would show him. God makes a promise to him, a covenant, that he would give him a land. He would make him a great nation with many offspring that would outnumber the stars and the sand, and that all the world would be blessed through his descendants. Sounds great. It's exciting reading as you read through those stories in Genesis. But then you become quickly aware of the great challenge. Adam and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, don't have a child, do they? Now they try their own way to figure it out, but it never works. But Abraham trusted God. He knew that nothing was impossible with God and that God had promised him a son And this son was born to them, his name, Isaac. But soon after this son of promise was brought, there was a test of faith. So the promise is just getting going well. And then God tells this man, Abram, take your son, your only son, up to the mountain of Moriah. Offer him up as a sacrifice. We have this interchange between son and father. They get up there and they put the wood on the the fire. They're getting ready and the astute young man says, well, where is the sacrifice? Abraham says, the Lord will provide. And he lays his son there, ties him up, and he's prepared to to raise the knife and to, to offer his son. God speaks to Abraham. The Lord provided There was a ram there in the thicket that became the sacrifice, the substitute for the the son. And this test of obedience was a promise that God, a reminder of the promise that God had made. And what happened? Abraham committed to hope in God in what seemed to be a hopeless situation. We don't have a son. Now we have a son. Now, wait a minute. You're going to ask me to offer up my son as a sacrifice. What God are you doing? And we read in the New Testament, Romans 4, 18, that in hope, he, Abraham, hoped, believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. So this faithful one, Abraham, chose to believe beyond what our circumstances would suggest and what human effort could produce. And if you read in Romans 4 on down to verse 21, it's because he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's how you hope against hope in a weary world, is that you become fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. 
Jesus, when he was teaching on earth, spoke about the hope that Abraham held on to. You can read it in John chapter 8, verse 56. He's speaking to the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, and he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw it, and he was glad. And so in the provision of the son Isaac, in the offering up of the ram for the sacrifice, Abraham saw the continued weaving of God's faithfulness through his life, and he knew that his promise to bless all nations through him would happen. Fourteen generations later, by the reckoning of Matthew in his gospel, God called a shepherd boy to be king. And hope was on the throne. Israel looked around and they decided, we want a king, just like all the other nations. And so they looked around and they found the guy that was tall enough, strong enough, good looking enough to be a king. Man, this guy looks like a king. And so they chose Saul. He was handsome, he was strong, but he was foolish. And because of his foolishness, God took the the kingdom away from Saul and he chose the youngest son of Jesse. Looking not at the outward appearance, but at the heart, this young shepherd boy, David, was anointed king. Saul became intensely jealous, pursued him, and tried to kill him. And this young shepherd boy, David, moved from the pasture tending sheep to the palace where he was king over Israel. He was the greatest king known to Israel. A man who was called to be after his own heart. A man who knew the greatness of sin, the depthness of the depth of regret, and the greatness of God's forgiveness. Read some of his psalms where he cries out his heart to God. He had a lasting desire to build a house for the Lord, a permanent dwelling place for the ark. But because of the blood on his hands, the violence in this man, God had other plans. There would be a house built, but it would be built by an offspring of David. His son Solomon would build the great temple. But in 2 Samuel 12 and 7, 2 Samuel 7, verse 12 and 13, we find that God gives this promise to David of an eternal throne and an eternal kingdom. Listen to these verses. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise you, raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Soon after David, we see a partial fulfillment of this in Solomon. But it even goes beyond King Zedekiah, the last king of Judah from the line of David, because God's promise pointed to a king who would be like no other. See, God had chosen that the Messiah would come from the line of David. Listen to Isaiah, Isaiah 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear 
the line may have been stopped for a moment, but it would continue on in Jesus. Isaiah wrote, He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then chapter 9, verse 7 of Isaiah, Of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Hope on a throne. 28 generations after great King David, something wonderful happened in the city of David, in the little town of Bethlehem, the house of David. There was hope. You know, the story of Christmas is honest, it's simple, but at the very same time, it's wonderfully amazing. Yesterday and the day before, um, Deborah and I and Tamara visited Wauxahatchee um, to something that we had been told about and invited to many times, and it always seemed that in December one of us would be sick. But the Presbyterian Church there, Central Presbyterian Church, for almost 40 years has hosted something called Bethlehem Revisited. They have in the behind their church a reenactment of the city of Bethlehem at the arrival of Jesus. The sign they had up said that it cost them about $25,000, so no telling how many people were there, plus $25,000 just investing in kingdom work in Waxahachie and in surrounding areas. As we walk through and enjoy the, the sounds and the smells and the tastes of Bethlehem, it just reminded me of how wonderful it is that there's still those who keep alive the true meaning of Christmas. It was a wonderful time to remember and to celebrate and they're doing it again next weekend friday saturday if you're if you're up for that and it's a short trip to waxahachie it goes from 6 to 9 p.m it's absolutely free and the forecast says the weather is going to be nice but instead of going to waxahachie let's visit bethlehem for just a moment we read in the scriptures that mary and joseph go from nazareth to bethlehem why? Because there's a decree from the Caesar, the leader, Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. So they load up on the donkey, at least she does, and they head out. We find some details. They're betrothed, which is a very high commitment level, higher than an engagement. Mary's with child, but the child is not Joseph's, but yet it's not illegitimate. But the child is by the Holy Spirit. Angels appear to both of them to reveal the plan at different times. A son will be born. You're going to call his name Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. But long before that, the prophet Isaiah spoke about this son born of a virgin. Why would it be necessary for the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus, to be born of a virgin. I love this. This is from Moody Bible Institute. I think it just summarizes very clearly the importance of the virgin birth. 
every normal human birth produces another success. You don't really read that on congratulation cards, do you? Congratulations, it's a boy, it's a girl. Congratulations, it's a sinner. But what happens every time another child is born? It's another sinner just like Adam. And so our Savior had to be genuinely human and yet truly sinless so that he could be a perfect substitute. He could pay our penalty for our sin before a perfect holy God. And he did that only through his So it happened just as God planned. You get to verse 7 of Luke chapter 2. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. So a child's promised. The child from the Holy Spirit. The child is born. He's Jesus, Savior of the world. He's fully God and he's fully man. All throughout history, men and women have tried to understand this glorious truth that we call the Incarnation that Isaiah would say is Emmanuel, God with us. Listen to Matthew chapter 1, 21 through 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Isaiah, behold, a virgin shall conceive, and he shall bear a son, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Jesus, 100% God, put on human flesh, just like you and just like But nine months before the not-so-silent night in Bethlehem, God became flesh in the womb of Mary. We have testimony to that through the interchange between Mary and Elizabeth where, you know, Baby John meets baby Jesus in the womb, and what happens? He leaps. And so listen to this writer, Aaron Wilson, says this, The God who authored a universe that can't be measured humbled himself into a form that can't be seen. We think about Jesus in the manger, but we don't really think much about Jesus in the womb. But oh, what a glorious thing that Jesus came to live with people. He took on a human body. The perfect came to live with the imperfect and by His perfect sinless life, it's salvation to all who believe. He died in your place. He died in my place. He paid the penalty for our sins. And the prophet Micah told about the place of His birth. You can read it in Micah 5.2 that it would be in little Bethlehem. Now, because there weren't any rooms available, because everybody was there, the town was busy, they find themselves sheltering in a stable. This reminder that the King of Kings came, humbly came, to earth. A baby, tiny, innocent, tiny, to the little town of Bethlehem, like we sing in the song, And the ruler who Isaiah says is from old, who was the ancient of days, is hungry, crying in a manger. Now, when I think of nurseries, I think of 
clean linens, nice, cute decorations, appropriately fitting, you know, a boy or a girl, and it's, it's a sterile environment. You may want to write this down. Barns stink. Feed troughs are nasty. And it would definitely not be the first choice for any expectant mother, well, unless they have four legs, and then it would probably not be a bad choice. But listen to the rest of chapter Luke 2, verse 7, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, A+, plus, laid him in a manger, well, not so clean. But why? Because there was no place for them in the end. Enter hymns for children. Back in the 1800s, Cecil Francis Alexander wrote a wonderful set of lyrics to teach children about this wonder of the Incarnation. You may have heard it. It's a beautiful song. Once in David's royal city stood a lowly cattle shed where a mother laid her baby in a manger for his bed. Mary was that mother mild. Jesus Christ, her little child. He came to earth from heaven who is God and Lord of all. And his shelter was a stable and his cradle was a stall. With the poor and meek and lowly lived on earth our Savior holy. The thrill of hope promised generation after generation starting in the garden in Genesis and still bringing hope today. If you have your Bible and you're close to Matthew 1.1 you find that we have all of this compacted into one verse. When Matthew sets out to write his gospel, he says it's the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew writes his book to show that Jesus is the promised Messiah to all those who would believe. He is from the lineage of David. He's from the seed of Abraham and that he came to bring hope to a desperate world in need. mean? It means because Jesus is alive, there is hope today. That the thrill of hope is still real and still captures human hearts. But the question that we have to ask of ourselves is, does that thrill of hope capture your heart today? We're going to close in just a moment, but I want to give you three things to think about. I mentioned earlier that this fits in very nicely to the idea of offering hope to hurting people, the idea that we are hope allies. We come alongside people, we love them, we pray for them, and then we share the hope of Jesus with them. And so as you're making Christmas lists and Christmas plans, I want you to think about just three simple things from the very beginning of December. First thing is pray. Pray for eyes to see. Remember in the video it mentioned blindness, spiritual blindness? We find in the pages of Scripture that there's only one person who opened blind spiritual eyes, and that's Jesus. So we pray, God, open blind eyes. The spirit of this age blinds their eyes so they can't see the truth they need to. Open eyes. Open their eyes. But also open our eyes, Lord, to the people all around us. Heart 
wide open. Help us to walk out the door. God, give me a, a wide open heart to love the people that you have placed before me, knowing that they are created in your image, so they are just as deserving of your love as anyone else. Pray for open doors, opportunities during the Christmas season. Hey, the holidays are coming up. What traditions do you have in your home? Oh, we don't have that. Or, you know, we don't have any traditions. And, and that's a clue that maybe they don't have a religious background. Or maybe if they're, you know, well, we, we celebrate, you know, we're, well, we're in the middle of Ramadan. We don't really know what Christmas is. Or we are, you know, we're getting ready for Hanukkah. Pray for open doors, opportunities through our lives and our conversations to open our mouths. And then pray for the boldness to speak. Help me to open my mouth. Speak up. It's not easy. If it was easy, we could do it without God's help. We do need God's help. And so we first begin with prayer. Number two, invite. Invite somebody to church. Set a goal for this next week. Invite someone. Come on, it's Christmas. Um, we're going to be talking about shepherds. and Everybody can relate to shepherds. Well, not, not everybody, but they're the common people. I want you to come to church. Try that. Christmas Eve service is coming up, December 24th, 6 o'clock. You know, it's 30 minutes long. What are you doing to, to start Christmas? You know, this is what I do. This is the tradition we have. Why don't you come be a part of that? So invite. So pray, invite, and then share. Share the thrill of hope. If there's hope rising up in you, if the thrill of hope is in you, then it's going to come out from you. So set a goal as you ask God to, to share about your hope with someone this week. Just simply share your story. A little brief message of hope. It can be one or two minutes. And then if you're given the opportunity, if God has indeed opened their eyes, He's opened the door, and you have the boldness to speak, then, then share how they can have the same hope. See, Jesus came to bring hope to a desperate world in need of redemption. And that world is still desperate. We still live in a weary world, and that weary world is desperate. But there is cause for rejoicing because there is a great Savior. Promised from of old. Born in humble beginnings, but who reigns now as King of we thank you that as Paul wrote in Philippians that you humbled yourself that you stepped down from the perfection of heaven into a world that was in desperate need that you came to serve to seek and save that which was lost and you humbled yourself even to the point of death, death on a cross So while we look at the, the tender child in a wooden manger, help us to not forget the humble, beaten, and despised Savior hung on a wooden cross. That you came to be with us so that we could be with you. You lived and died so that when we die, we can live with you. 
Lord, there is great need for hope. The world is sad. The world is weary. And all the answers they run to simply tell me, you are the answer. Give us eyes to see. Open blind eyes. Widen our hearts. Give us open doors. And when they're available, help us to step through them in faith. And when we do, give us the boldness. Whether it's inviting someone to church. Share in the hope of Christmas. Or just offering words of comfort and assurance. We trust you to do it. And we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We'll take a, a moment or two toward us now at the end to, to listen to God and reflect. And, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that for many, December, any holiday, is not a hopeful time. And so that means that there are countless opportunities to offer hope. That in the world that we live in, people are not only weary, but some are even desperate. And we have an incredible opportunity to impact someone's life for Has that thrill of hope captured you? Has it captivated me? Am I so filled with the joy of the Lord that it just can't help but spill out of my actions and my words? So maybe that's the place you need to begin. Maybe you're already in that journey and you're just continuing on, but you find it wearisome as you find that that those are not interested, that those don't want to hear, oh Lord, Help us to not give up, to not lose heart, and to understand that our job is to simply share the message and you do the work of bringing salvation. As those, maybe it's to pray for those who, who deal with loneliness and sense of loss over loved ones or family relationships, and maybe that's something you're going to bring before the Lord this morning, or maybe it's just something else you need to trust into his hands. The front's open and available. You're welcome to pray where you are. Some music's going to play quietly, and I trust that you'll listen to the Lord and respond.
can remain seated for a second. Donna wanted to share scripture with you. So if you want to read over there, we'll be fine. Um, I heard a sermon by a Japanese pastor recently, and um, it was from Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and onward. It says, um, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us not let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Um, it just has been reminded about this verse because Rusty was talking about the world being weary. Um, and in the sermon I heard, the pastor also reminded sometimes, just as this verse points out, like we get weary sometimes too in doing good. But I wanted to encourage all not to grow weary in doing good because our promise from God is that if we keep being patient, waiting and doing good that we'll reap a harvest. Thank you, Donna. It's a good reminder. Well, let me just mention several things and then toward the end Jeff's going to come and give you some information that will be helpful for our upcoming Christmas party. The first is if you notice in the center of the book in the bulletin, and this is a really great joke, you're going to love it, we have a Lottie going on. Yeah, a Lottie Moon, we celebrate her at Christmas, and it's all about Lottie in the middle. Our Lottie Moon Christmas offering will be receiving through the month of December. Our goal is $4,500. If you want to participate in, in Lottie Moon in another way, the WMU, the Women's Missionary Union, will be hosting the craft and bake sale this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The times are listed there. It's at Henderson Street Baptist Church in Cleburne, and all the money there goes toward the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And then finally, if you want to also contribute to Lottie Moon and share Christmas greetings with other church members. You can participate in the Lottie Moon post office. Just bring your cards for the church family. You can leave them wrapped in a rubber band and they will be sorted for you and hand delivered. And there's a suggested donation of 10 cents per card. All of that goes toward Lottie Moon. And if you've been to the post office lately, that's way less expensive than postage. It's a great way to just share greetings in an inexpensive way and also contribute to missions. And then lastly, you'll see there next Sunday evening is our church-wide Christmas party. I mean, it all kicks off, and the weather is going to be favorable. It's going to be about 58 and sunny. Um, caroling at 5.30, and then the party starts at 6.30. Your responsibility is to bring a finger food or holiday dessert. Come enjoy the fun. Uh, we have a special guest. Dr. Don Newberry, who is not only um, a former president of a university, he's a senior adult minister at First Baptist Burleson. Um, he is a columnist that, as even though there are the shrinking number of print newspapers at one time, he was um, published in well over a thousand newspapers in the state of Texas, and he has a very unique perspective on life. And regardless of what your perspective is or your age is, he's just downright funny, and um, you'll enjoy it. And so there are a couple other things that we're going to do in conjunction with our party, and Jeff's going to tell you about those. All right, so I think this is the first time we've done a church-wide Christmas party. Um, and every year when we have the youth Christmas party, we have a gift exchange. We usually do white elephant gifts. That takes a long time. So we switched it up this year. If you guys want to participate, we're going to have a gift exchange. I think it says in the bulletin, like $10 or less. It can be a real gift. It could be a gag gift. It could be something. Um, one of the things we're famous for is expired 
um, items out of the refrigerator. Um, I mean, it could be whatever, right? Um, so the way we're going to do this, though, we ask that you wrap the gift either once, twice, or three times. Because we're going to play a game where everybody passes the gift around in a circle, and then they open their gift, and you may or may not open a gift. You may open a gift that's still wrapped, and we'll do a second round and a third round. So not everybody gets a gift the first time, not everybody gets a gift the second time, but by the end of the game, everybody will have a gift. So please don't just wrap it once, because if everybody does that, it's going to last that long. Um, we want it to last a little bit longer than that, but not forever. So if you do want to participate, bring a gift. We are going to have a few extra ones in case you forget one, um, but it'll be kind of a fun time. It'd be, we're calling it musical gift exchange. It's like musical chairs. We'll play some music, that kind of thing. So, Excellent. Thanks, Jeff. Man, I... I I purchased my gift this week on Thursday, $1.89. Let me just tell you, though, that does not even come close to the sentimental value of this gift. You're going to want it. You're going to want it because it, you're going you're gonna to re- realize that if you're a grandfather, you probably got it. And if you're as old as I am, you probably bought it for your dad. See, y'all are already excited about that. But please come and enjoy that. We're gonna, it's a wonderful time. It costs nothing. Like I said, it's going to be favorable weather. It's going to be a little cool in the evening. And if you want to, Carol, it's 530. And are y'all meeting here, Cindy? Meet here at 530. So, what? At 530. Okay. Okay. The plan is to leave here at 530. So if you want to go caroling, be here at 515. They'll divide you up and they'll send you out as happy carolers. And on the gifts, be as creative as you want. The mid-gifts are really famous for that. One year they put $10 in a block of ice and called it, that was, was Ella? Oh, I thought, okay, I thought it was the mid-gifts. But yeah, it was cold hard cash. That's what they called it. So um, as creative as you want. With and that's that always welcome. If you just want to bring that. All right. Well, I want to thank you for being here this morning, for worshiping with us. I invite you to, to stand. Um, the worship team is going to lead us. I'm in a closing song, and when we're finished singing, um, you're dismissed. So, Lord bless you. So, sing out with joy for the praise of the Lord, who is God, but He makes us Well, He gave up His pride, and He came here to die like a man. Gather round, children, come. Listen to the old, old story. Oh!